0: Uh, Let's talk some Brooklyn net basketball. It's finally back. We have a season. It's not a complete disaster yet. Evan Roberts, Mike Biseglia. but I want to open with a question and I'll give my answer, but I'm curious what your answer is. First, Mm -hmm. we had media day. We got to hear from all the characters. Why did Kevin Durant demand a trade?
1: No answer. (laughs) I mean, I have my thoughts, my theories, but I don't think we got an answer.
0: I mean, it's it's weird because he explained he was frustrated that they lost 10 games in a row when he was out. I was too, so we have that in common. True. That guys weren't held accountable, that the league doesn't respect us. And like a lot of that's true. I don't think any of us are going to dispute what happened last year, but why did he demand the trade? Did he demand a trade because James Harden didn't want to be here anymore? And so he thought he was re-signing to play along Kyrie and James Harden. Did he demand a trade because there was uncertainty around Kyrie Irving? Oh, wait, not really. The contract had nothing to do with him demanding a trade. So I thought he did a, a decent job on media day. I think he did as basically as good of a job as you can do coming off a summer in which you demanded a trade. I'll give him that. But I don't really feel like I know what the hell he was thinking.
1: I don't either. I do say like I was disappointed when he talked about all those things. Like, yeah, when, when I didn't play, the team sucked. We lost all those games in a row. Da-da-da-da-da. da 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 I think from a true leader, you don't hear things like that. And you don't just bail when the, when things get tough. Uh, I mean, not that I should be surprised. Like, what was I expecting? Of course, when things got tough, he wanted to bail. we he, he, you know, he demanded a trade. I think hearing him say it out loud bothered me, even though in reality I, I knew that was coming. But just like, yeah, it was really hard here, and the team sucked, and we had no direction, and this and that, so I wanted out. It's like, well, let's uh, let's rally together and change that, and then maybe we'll be good, and we don't have that problem anymore. Yeah. I mean, look, yeah, I, I, I agree with you that
0: I don't want to hear my leader and my best player say, hey, we sucked when I was gone. That's why I wanted out. Uh, I agree with him. And I remember when they were losing as much as they were losing last year, there was that sense of this team needs to be better. They can't just wilt when Kevin Durant is on the floor. And obviously, it also shows you how great of a player he is and how great of a player he was. But who are you mad at for why they lost a bunch of games? You know, A part of why they lost a bunch of games is that James Harden checked out. James Harden basically quit on the team. A part of the reason why they lost a lot of games is that Kyrie Irving wasn't eligible to play home games. A big part of why they were losing a lot of games is that the roster wasn't very good, but you're also talking about a roster that was without its best player, at times without its second best player, and its third best player, and I'm referring to James Harden, didn't want to play in a bunch of those games. So I guess not that I'm looking to debate Kevin Durant and not that the media was looking to debate Kevin Durant, but I, it's okay. Yeah. They sucked. We sucked. Yeah. But what was supposed to be different? What would you have done? What did you want to have done that was going to change all that losing? And so that's why, like, I'm glad he gave answers or at least attempted to give answers, sure. but and I, I guess there was never a way you and I and net fans are going to be satisfied with what we heard, but it left me saying, okay, I still don't really get it. But more importantly than that, it left me worried that it could happen again. And I think mm. that's our biggest fear.
1: Oh, and I wouldn't be stunned if at some point somewhere down the line, and most pundits are saying at some point, something chaotic happened and I can't defend the nets and have some sort of argument to explain why, let me tell you why this year it'll be different no there's no way in hell i could ever do that you're probably people are probably right something chaotic will happen again and yeah that fear is there that at some point kevin durant and i don't think it would happen in the middle of the season but i do think at some point he might demand it but then it gets me thinking like what would his trade value even be a year later and at that point the nets would just be like all right I guess we're making a deal for a, for a first-round pick and some young player that's average or be, a little better than average, what that would even be. And I hate even rehashing this. And we don't have to go deep into this. But, I mean, really, when it's all said and done, I mean, I know it's big-picture stuff, but, like, Kyrie Irving choosing not to get vaccinated, this has been discussed a million times, but that, I mean, that really set off the chain of events for how we got to that point and, 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 and how we got to the ending of the Nets' dysfunction. Uh, I believe that wholeheartedly. Now the roster wasn't filled well with Sean Marks. And I think this year it looks like it's better. And I think the Nets have the most depth since the Dinwiddie, Levert, Kyrie, Durant year one altogether, but that, that all triggered it. And Durant had a sour taste in his mouth. I'm sure from all of that, and then, you know, that now here we are uh, to start this next season.
0: And I think when you go into a season with high expectations, And we've had that the last couple of years. Like the Mets have had it. The Yankees have had it. You don't normally go into seasons thinking we better win because if we don't, the whole thing's going to be blown up. And I do think that's the pressure we face as net fans, that we are looking at a season in which, look, are you and I and anyone listening happy that they're quote unquote running it back as compared to trading Kevin Durant and letting Kyrie Irving go? Yeah, this is their best chance at a championship. And I think we all acknowledge that. But we go into this season with, I think, more pressure than we've ever faced. Because it's not just merely trying to win an NBA championship. It's competing to survive. And look, I'm going to put this out of my mind. You're going to put it out of your mind. We're going to focus on this roster, on this team. We'll be excited if they get off to an 8-1 and start. But I think we know going in what's at stake. And it's more than just winning a championship. It's that. This team has a possibility of things going wrong, guys getting hurt, guys being disgruntled, and the whole thing being blown up. That's why it's a weird season. The Brooklyn Nets are capable of winning an NBA championship. They're also capable of being in the lottery. And it's very, very rare that you would go into a season with those two extremes. But I think because of the fragility of the situation, that's what we're looking at.
1: And what's, what's even weirder, though, and you bring up the point about the pressure, because that's like an internal focus, and I agree with what you're saying about how if things don't go well, this roster could be blown up and who knows what's next. But from a perspective on the outside, this is the first time in, really, since Durant and Kyrie have teamed up together, where there isn't the, from the outside perspective, oh, this is the team that's going to a championship or bust. This is the team right. that's winning a championship. A lot of people now are saying, oh, the Nets are five, are they the six? Are they the seven? Whatever it might be. There's an outside perspective of the Nets for all the points you laid out about how dysfunctional this team can be. Does Steve Nash and all the players get along, et cetera, et cetera? That there's this perception of the Nets going into this year where they're not the Bucs. They're yeah. not the Celtics. They're they're kind of like the second or third tier team in the East, even though from a talent perspective, this might be the most talented roster I've ever seen from this group. It's such a weird dynamic. I, I love it.
0: I really do. I know a lot of of Net fans were bothered. I love Zach Lowe. I think he does a great podcast. And I was listening to Zach Lowe a couple of days ago with Nick Friedel, who Net fans hate. Um, And I listened to them, and they were very negative about the team. And I'm listening to this saying, I get it. Like, I can't be mad at this. You know, if you want rah-rah pom-pom stuff, I go to an echo chamber. Like, I can't blame pundits And that's what both of those guys essentially are for saying, yeah, I think it's really likely this whole thing blows up because let's all be honest. Isn't that the likeliest outcome? Now I go into a season hopeful. I think we're all going to go into the season hopeful. And again, they get off to a good start. We're all going to be giddy. We're all going to start to dream of what we were dreaming about the last three years. And that's winning an NBA title, but I don't blame any pundit for doubting them And I like that people are doubting them because, bro, it pissed me Mm -hmm. off for the last two years that this team would be continued to be listed as favorites when they had accomplished nothing. The Nets were a theory. That's all this team was for a couple of years. And we bought in because why wouldn't we? We're excited. We're giddy. We haven't seen a lot of success in our lifetime. So I kind of like the fact that most people look at this team and say, yeah, they can't win an NBA championship they're going to be It's going to be a disaster good think that and hopefully they and hopefully us were dead wrong about it
1: and, and I think this group in particular knowing the way they react knowing the way they look at social media and I'll start with the head of the team and Kevin Durant I hope that this is something that fuels them and you might say oh that's so silly how can a team get energy and get and get juiced up based on uh, uh, on national media I, I really think like the Nets, th- this team will use that as fuel. I mean, I'm hopeful that they do. That Kyrie Irving is on a contract here and hears that everybody's what he's saying about him and saying that he isn't reliable and that they say Kevin Durant isn't a team guy and wants to get out of there and Ben Simmons can't shoot free throws and won't do anything in the clutch. Like, hear this accept it, and use it as motivation. Because I did listen to that Zach Lowe podcast, and they made the point about, yeah, the Nets are saying all the right things, but when they get on the court, that's all that matters, and it probably won't happen. And I would say for Net fans that listen to something like that, it's the same thing. If you go out and listen to, to the pundits say your team's the best, you're going to win, and then you hear somebody a year later say, oh, this team stinks, they're going to be the six seven or eight seed, that all doesn't matter. Like, none of it matters. It's all what happens on the court with this core group, and I For some reason, and it's maybe now watching Kevin Durant the last couple of years, like to me, this is the kind of stuff that will get him excited about the regular season. Hopefully they take it seriously in the regular season.
0: They have to. I'm going to, you're going to, we all have to. The regular season matters. This team has done nothing to earn the regular season being something you can ignore and not care about. Just get me to the playoffs. We lived that, that dance, really, for the last two years. Even when they did get the two-seed in 2021, they never fully took this regular season seriously, and guys never really played together. You know, we went into that postseason, and obviously didn't last because Harden gets hurt and then Kyrie gets hurt, but these guys didn't play together. They have to play together. To. And I get you got to be smart on back-to-backs, I get it. You don't want to push Kevin Durant's body. He's in his mid thirties. Now I get all of that stuff. TJ Warren can't be pushed back. Not that he's going to be necessarily a 35 minute and that guy, but these key guys who are going to be on the floor in theory in April, May, and June, they got to play a lot together. And it starts right there. They need luck when it comes to health. They need luck when it comes to vaccine mandates not coming back. They need luck in terms of a player not deciding not to play anymore. Like, guys have to play. So, I don't think it's necessarily a win total that I'd say they have to hit. I think it's that these guys got to play a lot of games together. And if we're sitting here in April or March or before that saying, well, eh, they got a lot of talent. As long as they all get together by April 15th, we'll be fine. We'll know we're screwed. I think last year was a reminder of that when Durant and Kyrie Irving were healthy, playing together in that embarrassing sweep at the hands of the Boston Celtics. And there were a lot of factors there. They're going to be a more talented team this year, in theory. Seth Curry was playing on one freaking leg. I get all that, but this regular season matters, and I think we all, as fans, have to embrace that.
1: Absolutely, and I, and I've bought into that. And shame on me for the past for falling into the trap of. They'll figure it out when they get there. They're just that talented. I mean, this is Durant, Irving, and Ben Simmons. They've never played the three of them together. Yeah, they're extremely talented, and they all have their different skill sets, but they've got to learn what works. Like, they have to figure out the right chemistry pockets, Getting Nick Claxton on the floor, just all the basics of a regular season without the extremism, as you said before, like Durant not playing 48 minutes and all these games taking it seriously and motivating them to build as a group together, I think is so important for this season. Like you look at the last, you know, the Bucs teams of the past, they, they rested Giannis at points. They did this and that, but they took the regular season seriously and we're heading into the playoffs in the right direction. I think the Celtics last year are the prime example of a team that was average around the all-star break and there, whatever the date was, and then right. exploded in the second half and had one of the best, regular season second half that there's ever been then it, of course took that into the playoffs ultimately lost the warriors but yeah the, the nets need to take the regular season seriously or they have no chance at no all. no doubt no chance
0: no doubt all right let's get to ben simmons because ben is so intriguing he's never played a game for the brooklyn nets he's been a net now for how many months since they acquired him in the james harden trade he didn't play last year we all know how that felt what that looked like Ben has now talked more over the last week and a half than we've heard from him in two years. First with JJ Reddick, then on media day. And look, he, he says all the right things uh, for anyone in Philadelphia that said he was faking mental health issues. I take the man at his word. I try to take anybody at their word. He had mental health issues. He's in a much better place now. He also had a back issue. You're not performing elective back surgery. So he clearly had a back problem. Um, I'm not concerned about him missing a year. I think that's a convenient thing to say. This is a guy who missed a year before his rookie season in the NBA, remember, when he had the foot issue and came out and had just a tremendous rookie season. So I'm not concerned necessarily about the layoff. I'm not concerned about his three-point shooting. I do think it adds questions to who he can play with from a floor spacing standpoint. So I think that the mix of Simmons and Claxton may be a little bit of a challenge. I'd admit that. That's not my concern. Uh, And I'm going to put mental health to the side. I assume he's motivated and wants to play. He has said all the right things about wanting to play. My concern is his ability to go to the freaking free throw line and make shots. And and it's simple, but it's important because in the postseason, in that series against Atlanta, it was a problem. And it was such a problem that if you can't hit free throws down the stretch, unless your name is Shaq, there's very few guys who can do this. You become unplayable. So all the attributes that Ben can potentially bring to this team, uh, his ability to find open shooters and create such looks for sharpshooters like Joe Harris and Seth Curry and Patty Mills and even Kyrie and KD is scintillating. His ability to defend anybody, uh, the position versatility, his passing and his vision, his ability to get to the basket, his finishing ability, like, He's a tremendous player. We should not re- forget that. It's easy to because of what happened in the postseason and he hasn't played in a year. This is going to be a hell of a guy to watch. But my concern is none of that matters if he's shooting 45% from the free throw line and teams late in game say, oh, yeah, hey, you can take it to the basket. We're going to hack the crap out of you. So that's, that's my concern. Everything else I look at and say, eh, it's overblown. He doesn't need to hit three-point shots. Maybe the way things were built in Philly, he did, but not on this team, bro.
1: No, and he, he has the pieces. I mean, he fits well when you think of Joe Harris. You, you mentioned all the shooters around him. He can create for them. He can finish around the rim. But yeah, he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to up the ante on that on the mental standpoint of being in late in games late. And this is this will be a backhanded compliment or I'm um, knocking the Nets here. The good news for him, and I believe this is he's on the Brooklyn Nets and he's not on the Philadelphia 76ers. And the really? pressure in in the pressure from the fan base, yeah, we're excited. Yeah, Nets Twitter gets on things. Yeah, we feel that. But it's going to be a different vibe for him. And maybe I'm making fun of the Nets here because they're not the Knicks or they're not the Sixers. But I really hope because he's in Brooklyn where it's a little more chill, that for him, maybe that helps him. Maybe the fact that he's not under the microscope of the Philadelphia 76er fan base, that he's in Brooklyn, Hopefully it helps him relax and that he can go out motivated and have a fantastic season. I look at that as a bonus. But yeah, he's gonna he's gonna have to be better there. Uh, I, I guess I'm just excited to hear you say all the positive things about him and that he can do all of those things and we'll worry about the free throw part of it late in games. Cause at least, at least on the front end of it, he's distributing the ball. He's rebounding. He's defending the Yonases of the world. He's defending the Jason Tatums of the world. And, and and he's doing those things that the Nets lacked completely in that Celtics series where they just got destroyed by the Celtics screen and rolls and then the outside shots for threes. He can do all that stuff. And then we get to the point where we're just complaining or nervous or anxious about Ben Simmons because of free throw time and in big spots. Uh, at this point with this roster, I'm just – I saw you know, we saw the one video of him on the Brooklyn Nets Twitter where he took a fadeaway jumper and I was like, Oh yeah, Ben Simmons plays basketball. I, I haven't <laughs> seen this. So that way I was like, Oh, yeah, are there, are there more of these? Like at least at least let's let's get to that point of the annoyance which you brought up. And and that's almost like a good scenario. It's weird
0: because he hasn't played for us and he hasn't played basketball in a year and a half. And I think because of everything that's happened over that period of time when his battle with Philadelphia that we forget he's really, really good at basketball. And I think a lot of people have forgotten that. And I understand it's easy to get distracted by the other stuff. Uh, We saw what happened at the end of that Atlanta series. And we saw him refusing to show up and play for the Sixers. And he apparently has a cell phone in his pocket. Oh wait, it's not. It's a Jersey. Like we've all been distracted by this for a year and a half, but I guess what I would tell my fellow net fan to remind themselves of who he is is just think about what he did to us. In the postseason back in 2019, Christ. when he was probably the best player on the floor, he is really, really good. And you're right. I think the skills that he brings, the skill set that he has fits perfectly on this team, even if it's running with the second unit and you just surround him with shooters, which he had at times in Philadelphia. I heard him cite that with JJ Reddick that some of his great success was when Joel Embiid was out, which was also throwing shade at Joel. But if you think about a second unit, in which Ben Simmons is running this offense and you literally put Joe Harris and Seth Curry and Patty Mills all on the floor around him? I mean, can you imagine the open looks this guy's going to get? Because if you think about this with Seth, Seth Curry came over last year, and obviously the ankle was really, really bothering him. And certainly in the Boston series, it was a major issue. When Seth Curry played for the Brooklyn Nets last year, he played 19 games. And he shot 47% from three. That's not a coincidence. And that has nothing to do with Ben Simmons, by the way. That has to do with the fact that he was playing with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Now, he's still playing with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Now you bring in Ben Simmons, who's always been known as a guy in his NBA career, who's gotten his teammates some incredibly open three-point looks. I think that Seth Curry and Joe Harris, if they're both healthy and they're both playing and their teammate is Ben Simmons. And Oh yeah, by the way, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, not necessarily all at the same time, obviously both guys get it 50% from three. This could be one of the most lethal three point combinations this league has because of the way this roster is built and because of Ben's skill sets and what he can bring out from his teammates. So Yeah. When we, here's what's so funny, man. When we talk basketball, when we talk about the skills of the players on this team and the strengths of the roster, how the hell do you not sound excited? Right. How the hell do you not say, Holy crap, this could be one of the most dynamic offenses this sport has ever seen. It could, it may not because no one may play, but that's the funny part when you talk
1: basketball,
0: How can can you not be excited about the possibilities of this roster?
1: I know. And I'm so frustrated, too, because every time you have to talk about the Nets, you have to distinguish between the two. You have to go into two modes. It's like, all right, we're now going to go into talking about the nets on the court mode. Like every most teams, you just talk about them. And yeah, there's stuff that's happened around the league this offseason with other teams. that's not been great. But with with the Nets, it's really like we're going now into net mode on the court. But we're actually going to talk about the roster. And you have to have that as the prelude into the conversation. But yeah, it's like Ben Simmons at the point, running things, getting Durant and Kyrie Irving shots. James Harden ran the point and did a nice job at that. And we saw KD and Kyrie play off the ball. And it worked when Harden was locked in. Imagine Ben Simmons doing all that. Not the same threat as Harden from the outside. I get that but being able to distribute to these guys the lob factor with him and Nick Claxton, and then having this depth with Royce O'Neill, TJ Warren, you got Cam Thomas in a second year, Cat Edwards in a second year. I mean, this, this, this roster from a depth standpoint and position standpoint to me has the most talent that I have seen and feel comfortable with since the first year with Kyrie and KD, when you had the depth of the Dinwiddies, the Leverts and Jared Allen's it, you know, you felt like this was a more complete roster, something you never felt last year, no. even when the three even when the three guys were together. It always felt like, oh, DeAndre Bembry had a good game tonight. That was solid. Oh, Bruce Brown, who got great at the end, was fine a little bit here and there. Like it always just felt like who are we gonna get other options for this year, if all whole. I feel like the Nets are gonna get it from so many different places. And I haven't felt that in a long time, if yeah. this all works out. No doubt. Uh they are
0: They don't have a lot at the five, but I also assume we're going to see a lot of Steve Nash playing small, a lot of Ben Simmons at the five, which isn't crazy. Some Kevin Durant at the five. We'll certainly see Markeith Morris at the five. Not sure how many minutes he's going to get, because we also can't be naive about Nick Claxton. Like I, I like Nick and now he's beginning. What is this? His fourth year in the league. Now I think his fourth year in the league, he has not shown a reliability to stay on the floor. And last year, I think he dealt with Mono, but he also had injuries that he was dealing with. He's also got free-throw demons he needs to erase. Oh. Let's not forget what happened in game four of that playoff series against Boston. That was rough. You were there with me, bro. Yes. That was that was, that was torturous. That was, oh. that was rough. First 10, was it? Oh, my God. Yeah, I think so. I think it was 0 for 10. Ugh. But I was thinking about this, and then I wanted to back it up, so I went on basketball reference. I was thinking to myself, okay, this roster is actually really, really different from a year ago. But how different is it? And how many guys are you taking away that played huge, huge minutes? Do you know who played the most minutes on the Brooklyn Nets last year? If I asked you to guess mm, most
1: minutes, I'm scared to answer, but I would say. Uh, You'll get it just,
0: if you think about is, it, because you got to think, okay, who is there all year? And is Patty, played all the Patty, time. Patty, Patty, Patty. right? There yeah. you go. And you then go. James Johnson second. All day. <laughs> you're not, By the way, you're not that far off. So Patty Mills played the most minutes for the Nets, mainly because he played 81 right. games. Uh, and I think one of the biggest knocks on Patty from last year to defend him a little bit, even though he shot 40% from three, was that he was gassed most of the time. Yeah, That they were asking way too much from Patty. I look at Patty Mills now especially if Seth and Joe Harris are going to be healthy. And I say, he don't have to play more than 10 minutes a night. Like sure. There'll be some nights where he plays more because guys are going to naturally this time, even if you have a, a, a healthy season in theory, but you're not going to nearly ask for as much as you asked from him a year ago. And maybe with him being 34 years old, you'll get more out of him. Like he'll be better. But even in a down year, the guy shot 40% from three. Just to be clear about it. The guy who was second in minutes was Kevin Durant. And that's a guy who missed 27 games. Mainly because Steve Nash ran his ass into the ground. And I'd be curious, by the way. And I don't know if Kevin was ever anti that. So I'm certainly thinking that's not one of his beefs with Steve Nash. But I could tell you it's one of my beefs. As valuable as I think the regular season is, and we both agree on that. I think one of the priorities has to be Kevin Durant cannot play 37 minutes a night. You've got
1: to keep that number down. I, you know what? I didn't think about that before, but I, I bet you that was one of his beefs. And I and I know he's the alt, like he said in, at media day, and I know there's like a little confusion then after as he went back and forth, I believe with Matt Brooks on Twitter. But I do think Kevin Durant, part of it was like, hey, you know, I'm a gamer. I'm always going to go in there when you need me. But we got. To, I can't be playing 42 minutes a night. Like that cannot happen. Can't happen. A, they, because he just he, the regular season has to be taken seriously, and 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 minutes have to be distributed evenly, and other guys involved. But at the same time, you obviously you cannot run your 34 year old into the ground playing 42 plus minutes and burn him out. Can't happen.
0: And I think they did. I think there are many reasons why Kevin Durant was a disaster in the Boston series. There's a lot of reasons for it. Uh, I think a small reason, not a major one, was the fact that they did run him into the ground. Because even though he only played 55 games, when he played, especially after he came back from that injury, and now you're forced to play these sort of do or die games to even make the play in tournament, which was last season.
1: Oh, my God. I,
0: you asked a lot from him. So him being number two is not a surprise, but here's where it shows you how different this team is. The guy who is number three is Bruce Brown. Who I'll miss, but I think that the roster as a whole has had upgrades. True. So, good luck to Bruce Brown, but he was number three. The guy who was number four. Are you ready for this? Go for it. James Harden. Man. (laughs) Because think about it. James Harden played half the season in Brooklyn. A little bit more than half the season in Brooklyn. And he played big minutes. Number five, James Johnson. Who's going to be out of the league by Christmas? Number six, Cam Thomas, a rookie. Number seven, Kyrie Irving. Number eight, Lamarcus Aldridge, also out of the league. Wow. So you have in that top eight, one, two, three, four. Half the guys are gone. The guy who is tops on the list has to cut those minutes in half. Uh, it, it just, It shows you how different this team is. Blake Griffin ended up at times playing big minutes. He's gone. The Andre Bambry was playing huge minutes first half of the season. He's gone. Andre Drummond played a lot the end of the year. He's gone. And it does feel like most of the additions, maybe not with the bigs, because I think the bigs look a little different. I think they're going in a different direction with that. They were also so loaded with bigs by the end of the year between Drummond and Aldridge and Claxton. It just shows you that, There's a lot of guys who played a bulk of minutes who are not here anymore. And I think some of the guys who replaced them feel like major roster
1: upgrades. I think that personifies how just inconsistent the regular season was and how they didn't take it seriously. When James Harden's that high up on the list, you shouldn't be that high on the list when you're not with the team after only whatever the deadline in 50 of the 80 games or wherever the deals are made. Like that, That shouldn't happen. That's a scary thought, and I and I love Patty Mills being the third option as the shooter, and I, and I like all of these these upgrades, and that, that running through that was terrifying. Like James Johnson's that high on the list, and he was cut right before the playoffs started because they felt more reliability in Kessler Edwards. I mean, any that that's what Durant's alluding to, which is how much how much of an S show that was. All of it, all of no, it. it was. It was, and. Like a
0: part of me criticizes Sean Marks. I I do think that building a team can be very difficult when you've maxed out with three guys. Like you don't have as much flexibility to fill out your roster. But, you know, looking back at last year and looking back at some of the veterans that they brought in, there were a lot of waste. Paul Millsap was a waste. James Johnson had his moments, but you can't rely on James Johnson to play big minutes. Blake Griffin. I liked him. He had this spark every once in a while. But I think Blake Griffin kind of showed us at 32 years old, he's cooked. He's just not nearly the same guy he was. And look, a big part of why a lot of those guys are playing big minutes were injuries. Joe Harris, you know, and at the time it was so weird when he got knocked out because we didn't know it was a season-ending injury, unlike Dinwiddie a year earlier. We knew, okay, torn ACL, he's done for the year. With Joe, it was, all right, he's going to come back in a few weeks. Okay, he'll be back. And then he never comes back. And I think they missed him greatly. So it's not to make an excuse that injuries were the reason this all went to crap. It wasn't just that it was part of it. And so you hope that unlike the last two years where early on, they lose Dinwiddie early on, they lose Harris that maybe they can get a little lucky when it comes to
1: health, because the last few Uh, years we've had no luck when it comes to that. No, nothing. I, I mean, at this point in my mind, I'm waiting for what's next. I remember when they made the James Harden trade, Elite, you were like, okay, well, James Harden's not trying. I mean, we saw what he did against Sacramento where he was actually giving up on plays. And they got a return where Ben Simmons was the centerpiece of the trade, but he wasn't playing. And you were just like, well, I'm just happy to have Seth Curry and Andre Drummond on the court because we have actual NBA talent now to surround around Kevin Durant where you felt comfortable. Maybe this team had a better chance of winning games. I mean, it was that depressing of how the roster went when Seth Curry was becoming like your number two option and getting super excited about that. And here's Andre Drummond now, who's coming in games, giving the peace sign and Duncan on the Chicago Bulls. Like you felt you felt some sign of 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 confidence with that trade because it was just so bad with the injuries. And man, I I just every year it just seems to have something. And don't get me wrong, every season's gonna have injuries. No team goes through a whole year without them. But they they do need some sort of a you know a little luck where they don't lose somebody for the entire season because the I mean that that roster two years ago that still unbelievably makes that James Harden trade and it stacked in the playoff I mean look how good Dinwiddie is if you had him there it's mm. it's so it look at the, I mean that that's every team and the championship team fight through that stuff they overcome it and they win like look at the Warriors. They lost their number two pick. He didn't even play. Steph Curry wasn't even starting games when the playoffs started, but they rallied and won. The Nets had none of those intangibles, that that championship and winning teams. They lacked lacked all of that DNA.
0: You're right. And that's the thing that needs to be created with this regular season. That's why the success of the regular season, it sounds weird to say this, but I'll say it anyway, is not necessarily going to be measured in how many wins they have. Obviously, we want to see them win as often as possible. But this regular season is important because they need to become a team. They need to trust each other. They need to face adversity and overcome it. They need to kind of grow that championship mentality. You know, I think what we've learned with this Brooklyn experiment, I know health derailed 2021, is that it's just not fantasy sports. You know, we could sit here and break down this roster like we have and said, boy this could be one of the most dynamic offenses we've ever seen and it's true but championship teams need to be created and it needs to occur together so i'm not saying they got to have a five game losing streak so they should overcome it I-, I wouldn't mind going 70 and 12 and having a limited amount of adversity during the regular season but you need to play together
1: and that's yeah. that's the priority man and i you you probably know this off the top of your head cuz you know all this stuff but like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant need to play together yeah they're barely those are your two foundations those are your two franchise guys and let's be real like them together have done nothing even when they're together it's like okay you beat the crap out of Orlando but they've they've done nothing together and those two guys even from a regular season standpoint maybe even the most important is they need to gel 100 together
0: 100 percent. they haven't played a that many games together and when i used to kind of break that down here's their record when these guys play it was never overwhelmingly good right and they still just the eye test tells you they lack a great chemistry together they may be really good friends they may want to hang out all the time but on the basketball court the results really haven't been there so hopefully them playing together like just selfishly as a season ticket holder, I want to go to Barkley Center every night. No, I'm seeing Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of going there and saying, I wonder who's playing today, whether mm-hmm. it's because of COVID, whether it's because of vaccine laws, whether it's because of injuries. And by the way, I think that's important as a fan base. Like you want that reliability of, I'm going to go see my guys tonight, not which Nets am I going to see tonight. I want to see my guys tonight. So I think it's a big part of this regular season. And I'm excited. It's it's weird, I think, because if you're a Met fan or a Yankee fan, it's kind of easy to be distracted because we're having this dream baseball season. And I always analyze when opening night comes out, uh-oh, what playoff games would go up against it? And I have only missed one Nets opening night in the last 15 years. And the one I missed was because the Mets in 2015 were in the World Series. And so game two of the World Series that year went up against Nets opening night. Uh, assuming the Mets have a good run on this opening night this year, too, because I think game two of the NLCS, yeah, we go up against it. But once this season starts, and look, I'll I'll watch the preseason games and we'll do another podcast or two before the regular season starts. But once this season starts, if we get to see these guys on the floor, it's gonna be quick. Like our enthusiasm and excitement and our ability to dream, it'll pop up real quick because they do have championship talent. Now it's about creating that bond together, and it's about doing it in the regular season. So, I guess you could argue it's a really exciting regular season because it matters, and we want these guys to play as opposed to oh, "ho hum," whatever regular season. Wake me up in the playoffs, which is I think a way we felt over the last two years. So that excitement's going to come in because
1: this roster—it's crazy good. Yeah, it's funny because I'm thinking back to when we recorded, Evan, and we did episodes and we would talk about the regular season. Let's get through it. Is it 50 wins? Is it 53 wins? Is it, that, is it the three-seed, two-seed? It's all about being healthy when we get there. I think as a, as a fan, I can't speak for you, but I've been humbled by what this team can do. Because, right, this team from a talent standpoint is as good or better than any that they've had in the past. But I've been so demoralized and beaten down from this Nets team over the last couple of years that I can't get to that mentality. And I've been humbled. And now I'm like, yeah, let's see what they do versus the Pelicans. Let's—I want to see what Ben Simmons looks looks like. Not the well, you know, if if Kyrie Irving and James Harden are just ready when it counts, it doesn't matter if they're playing the Celtics as the seven seed because they're just that talented and they'll figure out a way to win. Like I, I know you and I have changed our mentality. I just, I just pray to the basketball gods that the, the number seven, number 11, and that whole entire team is going in there with the mindset of, we got to care. We got to prove everybody wrong. Let's finally get this done and whatever that might be.
0: Let's do it. We'll have another pod to preview the season, give our thoughts on what the starting lineup should be, different little rotations, uh, different little things Steve Nash could work with. But a little reaction, a media day, and obviously a short preview of this roster and this team. Thanks for listening to the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast.